Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing on in our study through the book of Enoch. You know, and so uh, we're a good ways in now. And as always, we're going to seek to align it with our measuring stick, with our canon, the 66 books of scripture that we know and love. You know, um, the word canon, rather, in the Hebrew or the Greek simply means a measuring stick. And so we're utilizing, you know, our canon as our measuring stick, you know, for the book of Enoch. And we're far enough along in it to to be able to, to recognize and acknowledge that it does measure up. Amen. You know, uh, and so, and that same thing we're going to continue on today. We are on chapter 60. And we're going to jump right in. Now, it says like this was a, um, this part of the book of Enoch was a segment, segment from the book of Noah. You know, uh, and so I just figured I'd throw that in there and let you know. And so, okay, we let them know, clicker. Let's keep going. All right. Uh, sorry. Oh, crap. All right, so let me have my first reader read Enoch chapter 60, verses 1 through 4, please. In the year 500, in the seventh month, on the 14th day of the month in the life of Enoch, in that parable I saw a mighty quaking made the heaven of heavens to quake, and the host of the Most High, and the angels a thousand, a thousand thousands, and ten thousand times, times thousand. And the head of days sat on the throne of his high glory. And the angels and the righteous, righteous stood around him. And a great trembling seized me, and fear took hold of me. And fear took hold of me. And my loins gave way, and dissolved were my, my reins. And I fell upon my face. And Michael sent another angel from among the holy ones. He raised, he raised me up. And when he had raised me up, my ruach returned. For I had not been able to endure the look of, of his of his host and the commotion and the quaking of the heaven. All right. So this parable that Noah saw was so frightening that he urinated and crapped on himself <laughs> and either either fainted or died. You know, and this is what is meant in verse three. It says, And my loins gave way and dissolved were my reins. <laughs> and I fell upon my face. Ah, whatever he saw was pretty frightening. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, it literally scared the crap out of him. <laughs> you know, and so this is some serious stuff that we're dealing with right here. You know, now what was seen that was so frightening? He says that, you know, he saw a mighty quaking. How a mighty quaking made the heaven of heavens to quake. And the most, the host of the most high and the angels. And that was a dreadful sight. 
And he says, and the head of days sat on the throne of his glory and the angels and the righteous stood around him. And in seeing that, he, he said, you know, a trembling seized hold on him. Fear took hold of him, you know. And yeah, he, you know, he, he lost, lost all, all control. Then passed out. Next thing he know, one of the angels was raising him up. So whatever he was seeing was super duper frightening. You know, and I'll tell you what he saw. He saw the coming day of Yahuwah. This is what he saw. And it will be that frightening. And you have to understand this, you know, because a lot of people don't, they don't understand this and, or they don't believe, you know, because I hear people, you know, talk about like, you know, yeah, I hope, you know, they have y'all come and, you know, just get it over with, you know, y'all come back, you know, um, and, you know, and so we'll be done. And I hear people make comments like that, but that's only because they don't understand what's coming. They don't understand what's coming with the day of Yahoo. I'm going to try to give you a, a hint of what's coming, you know, but I really don't think words could actually, you know, uh, convey the fullness of, it. you know, we see here, he just, he just got a glimpse and it was so terrible, he passes out. You know, let us consider uh, Haggai says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Israel, so my rule remaineth among you, fear ye not. But thus saith Yahuwah Zabaoth, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the land, and I will shake all nations, and the desires of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith Yahuwah Zawah. So scripture does speak of Yah doing a shaking, a coming shaking, you know, um, even as he had sought. And also, let us consider uh, Yeshayahu, um, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Yeshayahu 13, 9 through 14. Uh, give me one second. Uh, Okay. All right. Let me have my um, next reader read Isaiah 13, 9 through 14. Behold, the day of Yahuwah cometh cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. 
the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the gold wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth, shall remove out of her place in the wrath of Yahuwah of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chaste roe and as the sheep that no man taketh up. They shall every man turn to his own people and flee everyone into his own land. All right, so we have Yeshayahu speaking about the day of Yahuwah. And he's speaking about it being cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. He speaks of Yah punishing the world for their evil and for the wicked and for the wicked for their iniquity. And he says, I will make a man more precious than fine gold. Mm -hmm. There's like 8 billion people on the planet right now. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about making man more precious than fine gold. Mm -hmm. That means a lot of men have to die. Mm -hmm. I pray that you can see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, therefore, he will shake the heavens and the earth. Again, bear witness to what Enoch was saying. You know, and this will be the day of his fierce anger. So, you know, the day of Yahuwah is nothing to play with. Enoch 60 verse 5 says, and Michael said unto me, why art thou disquieted with such a vision? Until this day lasted the day of his mercy. Mm -hmm. So up until the day of Yahuwah, until that day lasted the day of his mercy. Mm -hmm. And he have been merciful and long-suffering towards those who dwell on the earth. So hereby we learn that there's a time of mercy. There's a time of his grace. You know, that's where mercy can, can likewise be translated as grace. You know, and so what we're being told is that until that day lasted the day or the time of his mercy or grace. You know, and our canon, our measuring stick does speak of a time of grace. Second Kephas or Second Peter 3, 9 and 10, it says the Adonai is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us worth, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can you see that Kephas is pretty much saying the same thing that Enoch is saying? You know, there's this time of grace or mercy in which Yah will be long-suffering towards those that dwell on the earth. You know, and so Kephas is saying that, you know, Yah is not slack, but he's long-suffering towards us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But then he goes on to say, but the day of the Adonai, the day of Yahuwah, will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the great and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be earned up. Amen. 
this is this will be a dreadful time yes you know but what i want to focus in on is that there is a time of grace there is a time of mercy and we're in that time we're in that time right now you know but consider the day of yahoo because he says until this day lasted the day of mercy it's not going to last forever and it's been like approximately 2,000 years. So, you know, it's got to be coming close to ending. I tell you one thing that's for certain. There's never, never, ever been a time whereby it was closer to ending than today. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow, it'd be that much closer. Mm-hmm. So we know it's coming up. You know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? So we need to take advantage of this time of grace or mercy while we can. Now, just because we're in this during this, we're in this time of grace or mercy, you know, um, unfortunately, some people teach that. You know, like since we're in this time of grace or this time of mercy, that you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. You know, that, you know, if you mess up, all you got to, you know, uh, do is repent. Or some even teach that, you know, hey, Yah has done it. Yah, she has done it all for you. You don't have to do anything because he done it all. It's your free gift. All you have to do is receive it. You know, and you can go on being the happy heathen that you've always been. Once you don't receive it. But I'm going to tell you, that's not so. You know, and consider our measuring stick, Romans 6, 15 and 16. Speaking about this time of grace or this time of mercy, it says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? So since we're under this time of grace, should we sin? He says, Elohim forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It is very important that we all understand that just because we're in a time of grace, we're in a time where Yah is long suffering towards us. That does not mean that we're in a time whereby you can do whatever you like. That does not mean that we're in a time whereby you can sin. And what is sin? Transgression of Torah, transgression of the law. 1 John 3, 4. So shall we transgress the law? Shall we transgress Torah? Elohim forbid. You know, because if we do, we become servants of whom we're obeying unto sin. If, if unto sin, then it's unto death. Or unto obedience and righteousness, which lead up unto life. You know, so we, we're to use this opportunity to repent. This is a time of repentance. 
you know, so that we can begin to obey unto righteousness. Also consider 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 24. It says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Mashiach shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Messiah the first fruits, afterward they that are Messiahs at his coming. That may be speaking to us. Mm. You know, Messiah the first fruits obviously spoke to when he lived and his apostles and everybody that followed him during that time. We're most certainly afterward, afterward that, you know. So we, we may very well be those people that be around in his coming. He says, then come up the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to Elohim, even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. You know, so, yeah. Even though we're doing this, we're within this time of mercy, we're within this time of grace. You know, this is not a time for us to sin. This is a time for us to repent. Mm -hmm. And Yah is being long-suffering towards us so that we can come to repentance. And this is why what this time is for. Unfortunately, the enemy has duped many of the would-be followers of Yah to think that they can do whatever that, that they want, to think that the law Torah is done away with. To say Torah is done away with is to say it's okay to sin. Because the scriptural de definition of sin is transgression of Torah. Selah. Enoch 60 verse 6. It says, and when the day and the power and the punishment and the judgment come, speaking of the day of Yahuwah, which the Adonai of Rukot have prepared for those who worship not the righteous law. Mm -hmm. All right. So it goes on to say, and for those who deny the righteous judgment and for those who take his name in vain, that day is prepared for the elect, the covenant, but the sinners in inquisition. When the punishment of Yahuwah Rukot shall rest on them, it shall rest in order that the punishment of Yahuwah Rukot may not come in vain. And it shall slay the children with the mothers and the children with their fathers. Afterwards, the judgment shall take place according to his mercy and his patience. So hereby we learn that the day of Yahuwah is a day of power and punishment. That is wrath for those who don't worship the righteous law. Mm. Ah, I pray you're getting this. Let us consider Zephaniah 1, 14 through 16. Let me have my next reader read Zephaniah 1, 14 through 16. The great day of Yahuwah is near. It is near and hastened hasten greatly. Even the voice of the day of Yahuwah, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of, of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastedness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fierce defense city and against the high towers. All right, so here it is. Did you, did you catch that? Did you catch um, what he said in, in verse 14? 
that the day of Yahuwah, you know, is, is near. And he says, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Mm. We're talking about the mighty man. We're talking about the strongest of the strong shall cry there bitterly. Mm. So what does that say for everyone else? Mm. Says that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation. This is this will be nothing like the world has ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yahshua describes it as the worst time that the world has ever seen. Mm -hmm. Now, just uh, extra credit, kudos. You know, Zephaniah one sixteen says. The fence cities, you know, that the day of trumpet and alarm is against the fence cities and against the high towers. Anyone remember what the fence city and the high tower represent? Doctrine and the pulpit. So this is this is this is cold. Scriptural code for speaking of our doctrines and the pulpit. He says it's going to be a day of trumpet and alarm against the doctrines and the pulpits. Because we know judgment begins where? At the house of Elohim, in, in the ecclesia, in the church. Amen? Amen. So, what most Christians don't understand is that. Covenants or contracts has terms, mm -hmm. you know, and Yah's laws are the terms of his covenants with humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, people say that they're covenanted with Yah and they don't understand the terms of the covenant. They don't understand that the covenant has words of the covenant. There's terms and conditions that come along with the covenant that you are promising to do and that he's promising to do. You understand? Yes. You know, let us consider Exodus 24, seven um, and eight to validate this point. It says, then he took the book of the covenant. The book of the covenant. What book is this? You know, this is the this book of law, Torah. And he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that Yahuwah have spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. Now, can you see that they're agreeing, in agreeing to covenant with, with Yah, they're also agreeing to be obedient to his will? Yes. I.e. the terms of the covenant? Mm -hmm. It says, so Moshe took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which Yahuwah has made with you in accordance with all these words. What words? The words of the book that he just got finished reading. The words of Torah, which are the words of the covenant, which were put in the ark of the covenant because they make up the essence of the covenant. This is what the people are agreeing to do. This is why they say all that Yahuwah has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Right. And when you enter in the covenant with Yah, 
You are saying the exact same thing, whether you know it or not. You know, and that's the sad part is, you know, the clergy aren't helping the people to understand what they're signing up for. <laughs> Bless you. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, today it, it becomes kind of like um, what they call an adhesion contract. Kind of like the kind of contract you sign with your license. You know, you sign, you sign the back of your license not realizing that you're signing an adhesion contract that includes, you know, all the laws of the road. You know, all those laws you didn't even read. You know, hundreds if not thousands of them. Yeah, you just agreed to it without even reading it. And that's pretty much what's happening today, you know, with y'all's people. You know, consider James 2.8. It says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the um, scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. And what I'm speaking to is the second half of this passage in Enoch 66. It says, which the Adonai of Rukot have prepared for those who worship not the righteous law. What I want you to see is that there is two types of laws that scripture speaks of. You know, um, here is being called the righteous law. You know, so if this is called the righteous law, then the other law, you know, would be considered the unrighteous law. And this is why Yahshua says, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall by no, no way enter into the kingdom of Elohim. You know, and then he began to give a list of his commandments, i.e. the righteous law. This is why Isaiah 56 says that Yahshua was, would be soon to come and his righteousness to be revealed. Because his righteousness was something that they were not aware of, hence it needed to be revealed. And so he did when he came. And so I want you to, 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 to understand these things, you know, and here it is, James speaking about if you fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. So he's speaking about the royal law and the royal law is the law according to scripture. That is the law of Mose. That is Torah. Amen. Because you got to remember when James was, was writing this, there was no other scripture except for, you know, the um, Torah, the prophets and the writings, right? So when he says, according to scripture, he's not talking about the brick Kadashah because it wasn't written yet. You know, it was in the midst of being written. So he's speaking to, you know, um, Torah, the prophets and the writings, you know, and he's calling it the royal law. Now, just a little bit down in the same chapter in verse 12, he says, so speak you and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. This is another law. Can you see that he's contrasting the royal law with the law of liberty? 
The royal law is the law in accordance to scripture. And then you have the law of liberty, which speaks to the law that Yahshua brought. That speaks to his commandments, words, and sayings. You know, this is why in John 14, 15, he would say, if ye love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, keep Torah or keep scripture. He said, keep my commandments. Why would he say my commandments? Even because he was speaking of the commandments that he revealed to them. You know, this is at the time, you know, they wasn't recognizing him as, um, as Elohim. They was just recognizing him as, you know, they had hoped that he was, he was the prophet, that he was the Messiah that was, that was um, said to come, but we see after he was crucified, you know, they were lost. Yeah. You know, they, they, they wasn't expecting him to rise. You know, so they wasn't thinking that he was truly Elohim. Not at that time. So I want you to just understand that there's two different types of laws that scripture is speaking of. It's the the uh, royal law in accordance to scripture and the law of liberty. Now, mm. Apostle Paul, he puts it another way. In Romans 3.27, he says, then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? Is it excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works, i.e. The, the royal law according to scripture? No, but the law of faith, i.e. the law of liberty, that which Yahshua came to reveal. You know, I pray that you can see that both of these these um, guys are talking about two separate laws. You know, and one law was for the first covenant and the second law was for the second covenant. Even the covenant of Yahshua. Enoch 60 verse 6, it goes on to say, and for those who deny the righteous judgment and for those who take his name in vain, that day is prepared for the elect a covenant. So he's talking about the day of Yahuwah. And he says that the Adonai of Ruko or Yahuwah have prepared for those who worship not the righteous law. He has prepared for them. And for those who deny the righteous judgment and for those who take his name in vain that day is prepared for the elect for the elect i.e us prayerfully right a covenant so let us take note that the day of yahuwah for the elect is a covenant even a covenant of yahushua and the terms of his covenant are his commandments we, we can be certain of this for yah Hushua only came to do what he saw his father doing. So even as we read in Exodus, how his father had covenanted with Israel and gave them his Torah as words of the covenant, so would Yahshua do likewise, covenant with his people and give his commandments as the words of the covenant. And so even as like under Moshe, and Yahshua was the prophet like under Moshe, you know, and so he, like under Moshe, he got, he got the uh, commandments from the Most High, from his father, and gave them to the people, even as Moshe got the um, commandments from the Most High up on the Mount Sinai, and gave them to his people, <clears throat> you know, so Yah Yahushua isn't doing anything different, 
he's just doing what he what he saw his father um do. We can be certain of this because that's all uh Yahshua came to do was what he saw his father, uh what he saw his father to do. We have evidence of this in Yochanan 519. It says, Then answered Yahushua and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. So He's only doing what he saw his father do. This is how we know what happens next. Also, as a second witness, we have Yochanan 838. It says, I speak that which I have seen with my father. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. You know, so this is what our Messiah did and does. He does what he saw his father do. And what did his father do? We have recorded in scripture. We have it recorded in Torah, the prophets and the writings. So you see, Yahushua didn't come to do anything new per se. He came mainly to clarify what was already done. You know, so even as he wanted to clarify what was already done because what was already done had got muddled. Right. You know, the people didn't understand it. They were in darkness. There was a veil over their eyes. They couldn't see, i.e. understand. You know, so he came to clarify what was already done, even as the light of the world does. How does the light of the world clarify what's already done. Well, if we turned out all the light in this room, you know, it'd be very hard to see what's in here. But when we turn on the light, nothing changes. You're just able to see what's here in more detail. Can you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You know, so he came to clarify what was already done, even as the light of the world does. You know, when it's nighttime, you can't see very well. And so when there's not ample light, you may just see shadows of things. You may see shapes or figures, but you may not be able to fully make out what it is. But when the light shines upon it, then you can see it in full detail. Nothing changed about it. It's just that you can see it better. And to see is to understand. You can understand it better. And this is what Yahshua came to do. He came to help us understand things better. Or you can say um, that he does as a son or son of righteousness does. You know, he came to clarify things as a son of righteousness do. So if we want to know what righteousness looks like, what Yah intended it to be, then we can look at the son of righteousness and we can know simply by looking at the example that he set and pick up our torture stakes and follow behind him. I pray you can see these things. Probably. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> now, um, 
it continues on in, in verse six and it says, and those who deny the righteous judgment for those who take his name in vain, that day is prepared. So we're talking about the unrighteous. It goes on to say, um, but the sinners and inquisition. You know, so the day of Yahuwah is for the elect of covenant. You know, we agreed to do some things. And during that day of Yahuwah, it will be time to make good on that agreement. Mm. Amen. Yeah. So we need to understand Yahshua's commandments and we need to walk them out. If at no other time, we got to walk them out then. Otherwise, we're not going to be a part of his covenanted people. Right. I pray you understand that. You know, and so like, you know, Yahshua came and he brought no less than 100 commandments. And if you don't understand what they are and you're not applying them to your life, then you're not going to be able to do it, do it later. You need to understand what these things are. You need to understand what this looks like. Amen. Okay. You know, and because the day of Yahuwah for us is for the elect is a covenant. You know, it's simply like, OK, this is what you require of me. OK, I got to walk this thing out. Trust me, it's not going to be easy, even as it wasn't easy for Yahshua. He was the son of righteousness, right? Yeah. Wasn't easy for him. Wasn't easy for his apostles. It wasn't easy for those who, who his apostles taught, who was killed for righteousness, righteousness sake during those times. And it won't be easy for us. You know, but that's our covenant. That's what we agreed to, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it says, for the sinners in inquisition. So hereby we learn that the day of Yahuwah in contrast to it being for the elective time of covenant, for the sinners, it's an inquisition. An inquisition is like an investigation. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, that said, this is precisely the subject of Yahushua's um, parable of the ten virgins. This is what Yahushua's parable of the ten virgins is all about. It's about just what Enoch is talking about here. About the day of Yahuwah, which is prepared for the elect, the covenant, but the sinners in inquisition. And he's trying to get you to see, help you to understand how it will be so that you can be prepared. Consider Matthew Yahoo 25, verses 5 through 8, where, where the, uh, the parable is mentioned. It says in verse 5, it says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now, I want you to just think about that for a second. The bridegroom is, of course, who? Yeah, sure. All right. Now, it says they all slumbered and slept. Who is the all? All the who? This is the parable of the ten what? So all the what? So all the virgins slept and slumbered, right? Why are they called virgins? Because they're still pure. They're only worshiping one L. They've only been with one L, right? You know, or they're promised to the bridegroom. And they haven't, they haven't adulterized themselves. You know, now they all slept, meaning that they all were asleep, meaning that they all was deaf and blind. You understand that? Yeah. They all slept. When you sleep, you can't hear, you can't see. Mm -hmm. So they all were deaf and blind. You have to understand that. But verse six says, and at midnight, there came a cry 
At midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. A cry was made and they awoke. You know, like many people will attest that there's an awakening going on right now. Yeah. Where y'all's people are actually waking up, wake, uh, awakening, and they're they're beginning to see things for what they are. Right. Okay. Now, you know, so now the virgins are waking up. Verse seven. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. All right, so they're trimming their lamps because they know that if the bridegroom come, they're going to have to make a journey. They're going to have to follow him. See, if you're unfamiliar with the, uh, with the customs, when the bridegroom would come, he usually came in the middle of the night. And when he would come, you know, the bride, the bride as well as her bridesmaids would have to be ready. And then he would lead them back to um, his father's house where he had prepared a place for them. Right. You know, so they would have to have a journey. You know, the bridegroom isn't coming carrying a bunch of lamps. You got to have your own. Yeah. You know, he's not coming, you know, with tons of lamps for everybody and a bunch of oil for everybody. You have to have your own. You're supposed to be prepared for when he comes. Amen. You know, this is why Revelation said the bride has made herself ready you're supposed to be ready now verse eight it says and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out give us of your oil what is the oil used for it is it's the burn so that you can have light light represents what knowledge wisdom and understanding Amen. You know, so those who had oil had wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Right? Now, the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil. Why? For our lamps went out. You know, so take note that within Yahshua's parable concerning the ten virgins, the five foolish lamps went out, which speak to their what going out. They ran out of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Can you see that? They ran out of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Do you get it? You do not want to run out of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge when it's time to follow him into his father's kingdom. You understand? Yeah. So you need to get these things now. Understand now. Because what Yahshua is telling us in this parable is if you wait to the last minute, you will not make it. If you don't prepare yourself by putting the oil in your lamp now, then you're not going to make it. If your lamps go out, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to keep up with everyone. You're not going to have the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in order to see where you need to go. Can you understand it? 
All right. The end of verse um, six says, when the punishment of Adonai of Hukot shall rest upon him, it shall rest in order that the punishment of Yahuwah of Hukot may, may not come in vain. When he come, and when he put that punishment out there, it's not going to be in vain. And he says, and it shall slay the children with their mothers and the children with their fathers. Afterwards, the judgment shall take place according to his mercy and his patience. When he comes, he's mean in business. He's coming to punish the sinners. And if you're a sinner at that time, then guess what? His punishment is going to rest upon you. If you don't have any light in your lamp, his punishment is going to rest upon you. Consider um, Yeshayahu 13, 11, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. He's going to punish the world. And if you're friends with the world, then guess what? You're going to be punished right along with them. Yeshayahu 13, 15, everyone that is found shall be thrust through. And everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Mm -hmm. You want to be friends with the world? This is what the world got coming. Mm -hmm. Verse 9 said, Behold the day of Yahuwah, which gives us our contact. Behold, uh, behold the day of Yahuwah cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce and anger, to lay the land desolate. Verse 15 said, Everyone that is found, oh, we read that. Verse 16, their children also, he's not going to spare the children. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. He says, behold, I will stir up the knees against them, which shall not regard silver. And as for gold, they shall not have the light in. You can't bribe them. Their bowls also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes shall not spare children. We're talking about some wrath to the extent that has never been seen. Amos 5, 18 through 24 teaches us in this time as well. He says, woe unto you that desire the day of Yahuwah. So what end is it for you? The day of Yahuwah is darkness and not light. Now imagine you being out there without, with no oil in your lamp. Says that if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit. Shall not the day of Yahuwah be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down his waters, righteousness as a mighty stream. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be playing at all. Yes, Yahoo 24, 1 through 3. Behold, Yahuwah maketh the earth empty. Remember, it was talking about, you know, uh, man will be as sparse as fine gold. Yes. It says, and he maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Mm -hmm. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury. Mm -hmm. 
It don't matter. Every sinner will be treated the same. Verse three, the land shall be utterly empty and utterly spoiled for Yahuwah have spoken his word. Verses four through six, yes, Yahoo 24, the earth mourneth and fadeth away the world languisheth and fadeth away the haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. How can you break the covenant if it was all done for you? How can you break the covenant even by breaking the words of the covenant that you promised to obey? Verse six, therefore have the curse devoured the earth and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Job two, one through five. Blow ye the trumpet of Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of Yahuwah come, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As of morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong and a strong, there have not been ever light, and there has not been ever the light, neither shall there, neither shall be any more after, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoured before them, and behind them a flame burned. The land is as a garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. We're talking about something fierce. Yeah. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains, they shall leap like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. So I pray that you get a glimpse of what the day of Yahuwah is about. I pray that you get a glimpse of why it was so fierce so terrible to see that the prophet <laughs> lost control of all his bodily functions and, and passed out and had to be revived. I pray that you can see it's nothing to take a chance on. This is the time of repentance. Repent. Make yourself ready. That's all I have. Pray it was a blessing. Oh, yeah.